Welcome to the Heart of the Father podcast. We're glad you're here and able to listen in. We're praying the Lord will speak to your heart through this message and that you be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. So, as you think, as you listen to what we're saying today, I want you to think about yourself and and what your role is. So, Pastor John, I want you to share with us your testimony. Are you saved? (laughs) Wouldn't that be good? Are you a Christian? And tell us how you became a Christian. And if you need me to interpret for you, just raise your hand and I'll try to clarify. Hold, hold that close. Good morning, everybody. Yeah. Good morning. And before I go ahead, yeah. how, how many minutes and how many You have. I will cut you when it's time. Oh. <laughs> In Africa, when they give you Mac, a special pastor on their pulpit, you will do what you want. You will end when you want to end. They don't have to tell you stop. So you are African. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am. So don't tell me to stop. <laughs> First of all, I want to thank God for bringing me here. I don't know if you can hear me. Bring it closer. Put it here. I want to thank God for bringing me here to sit in front of you. What you say? And I thank God for my mother here. When my daughter was bringing me to the airport, I say if you Madame Vesper didn't come to Loxiago, my village, to preach. You driving car today in Accra, where will you have So let me interject. So Loxiago is the village that he's from. And so many years ago, mom went to that village to share the gospel. And that's where he came from. And so he's telling his daughter, who lives in the capital city now, who's driving him to the airport to come here, if it wasn't for Madame Vespa, not only he wouldn't be going to America, and she wouldn't be driving him to the airport. That's what he's saying. God is the mighty God and can do everything. Bible says when Abraham was 99 years, God appeared to him and said, follow me and be perfect. I want to sign a covenant with you. And Abraham fell down and gave his everything to God and God could use him. I was Muslim, preparing to build a mosque and Arabic school. As a young boy, he was in the mosque training to be an imam. I was zealous. Today, I would have been one of the Al-Qaeda's and all those because I believe my Quran and I believe my prophet and whatever Quran will tell me to do, I would do it. And Quran always encourage people, his followers, those who are reading it. When you talk to somebody to accept Christ, I mean to accept God, Allah, and he refuses, you have the right to kill him. Okay, you understand what he's saying, what the Quran says. Okay, so he reads the Quran. So the Quran says that if someone converts from Islam, that you have the right to kill him, kill that person. I was wanting to obey, I was willing to obey, do everything that Quran tells me. Don't have mercy on that person. Kill him so that 
others will see and fear. So you, fear is a big thing. So they want to kill the, the, the convert so that fear will run through the people and no one else will convert. God just grabbed me from that religion to him, not myself. I have no time with Christians any time they are preaching. In fact, one day, they, my village, they still ask me, one day I did attack them. When they were coming, I, my father sent me to a Malam to read far away from our village. And that time, Madame Vespa came. When I came home, I hear that my brother has converted to Islam. So, I mean, from Islam to Christianity. So, when mom went to the village, his brother converted while he was in the mosque far away, still in training. Uh -huh. So, when I came home, they told me I was mad at my brother. What a disgrace being a malam, top malam in the village and my brother being a, a, a Christian. That's abomination. But one day, I went to his room, saw his Bible on the floor. I don't know how that happened. And uh, I respect this word of God to put it on the table. So he went the, in his brother's we, room and the Bible was on the floor. Quran shouldn't lie down on the floor. So he respects the Quran, so he thinks the Christian should respect the Bible and the Bible shouldn't be on the floor. It needs to be up. I didn't know why I was looking for my brother's room. It's God who sent me there. And when I saw the Bible and I was, I picked it to put it in some place and I hear a voice and say, open it and read. You hear what he's saying? Okay. So no Christian would have come to, closer to me to preach to me to accept Christ. So when I begin to read the Bible, it's telling me about the love God, who is a lovely God, the Messiah who died and save, to save people. Messiah who give himself to die for sinners. And I couldn't stop reading this book. That converted me to Christianity. No, no Muslim could have come closer to me. To, I mean, no Christian could have come closer to me to preach to me. I was that kind of Muslim. I have nothing. But uh, Quran say have nothing with these people. Have nothing to with. A Christian have nothing to with Jews. They are your enemies. Kill them. And I was willing to do what Quran told me to do. And this time, I begin to read the Bible. I couldn't stop reading it. And I, my preparation to go to my malam to study more coming down, begin to come down. My faith in Islam begin to get weak, weaker, weaker, and weaker. Till I begin, I will go secretly to church far from our place because I didn't want somebody to see me. So he, he accepted Christ on his own, and then he was a secret because he was a secret Christian and being young as he was, he feared. So he, on Sundays, he would go to the city of 14 miles away. And he would go to church and sit in the back corner where nobody would know who he was. But his hunger for God was so strong. So, only my brother get to know that. I also converted. I didn't, he didn't see me, but the way I was reading Bible and I, the way I was behaving and I become calm, he knew that. 
I become his, his brother saw a change in him. But my brother also didn't want people to put the way I went, I was on top of the toppers. And he knew that if he broke the news, they will kill me. So my brother also hide it. I didn't tell him I have accepted the Christ, but he knew. But suddenly, my brother, that brother died. His brother, his he fell in the water. He drowned he in the river, the, and uh, he died. And this is the same river that we crossed to go overseas. This is the same river that his brother. I remember as a boy going down to get his with my dad to go and get his brother's body and standing there looking at this young man, unrecognizable, been in the water three days. So during the funeral, my mother's brother asked me, he said, the way I look at you, your behavior now, are you a Christian? And day I break the news. Yes. And since I say yes, I could be dead by any time. They can poison me. They can attack me with anything. So I wasn't feared a death. I was even praying for it. So it was at the funeral when he was questioned publicly, are you a Christian? And that's where he said, yes, I am. So I came to Reverend Vesper's house and they were packing chairs to, into the uh, truck to go to the uh, village. And I also joined them. That day, you, you can, uh, they can remember. So, and, so at the Bible school, mom and dad would load up the students and put chairs in the truck and they'd go to the village to have service and evangelize. And he started coming to the, the Bible school property and when he saw them doing it he wanted to get in the truck also and go with the bible school students and my parents so they i kneeled down and said pray for me i'm i want to accept Jesus." so they pray for me and i joined them to the village service then finally everybody know that i'm a christian so my uncle who's next to my father said never you will you do this to me? So I was sacked from the house. So he was he was kicked out. He was kicked out of his house when everybody knew that he was a Christian. No. That was when you were 17 years yeah, old. Yeah, about 17. Okay. Where to get food to eat? Then, then I become begin to go to there, and I didn't tell them this is the situation I'm facing. I didn't tell them they kicked me from the house. I didn't tell them I can't get anything, food to eat. I would just come and say, I want work. Give me work to work. And they would say, no, we don't have work. Then I would go hungry again to their house. Finally, praying, one day, Madam sent somebody to come and call me to help her with a washing. Small, small, small like that. I be, they adopted me, I become their son. Then life began to change better to me. So he, he came to dad and he wanted some, any kind of work. So he started washing clothes for us and we would pay him. He started cutting the grass. Then he started uh, taking care of dad's garden. And then next was the rabbits. And when he took care of the rabbits, there was so many rabbits. John, how yes. they gave rabbits what? Every, the whole uh, north, all the pastors, Reverend Vespa gave a, a pastor, a, a rabbit, a male and female. The whole, to start it, even some of the Christians, not pastors alone, to start because there were so many. God used me to bless him because I, like he blessed Potiphar for keeping Joseph. God really blessed his garden. Madam can tell he will take tomatoes was like a, a very big, big ones. <laughs> he 
everything he said, do this. When I do it, Gordon multiplies it. Prospered. It's prospered. All the pastors got a male and female rabbit, and many Christians. And then the garden, the tomatoes were huge. One, uh, you just have one in your hand. It uh, was you, that big. You can grow a banana in the north, but the garden, madam, you can tell them, but the, the garden, the more, uh, banana, hey, they were distributing it. And madam can make a banana cake, a bread, a very, banana bread, hey. She know how to do it. Then, then, <laughs> then we, then you started with chickens for my. Then he, he had me chickens. Oh, the eggs. God bless the chickens and. <laughs> <laughs> Just like if I read uh, Potiphar and Joseph, only they didn't treat me bad like Potiphar did. <laughs> no, we didn't treat no, you they, bad like uh, Joseph in Joseph's house. <laughs> I become David's uh, senior brother. And David can run around in the village. His hey, father gets him more. Hey, don't talk about me. <laughs> <laughs> the father gives him a, a little motto. And in the village, who, who, that time there is no mottos. When he took the motto in the, every place, David, 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 David. Every child wants to be his friend because he took them on their motto, back of their motto. Motorcycle. And, <laughs> and then you started helping clean in the house. Then, one day, because they didn't have worker, one day their worker just walk away. He doesn't want to work, work. And then I get opportunity. They call me to take that job, and I start that job. So just to be clear, we had people that worked for us, okay? They're not slaves. They worked for us, and we paid them. And that's because mom and dad taught in the Bible school. So when, when they would come out of Bible school for lunch, the lunch had to be ready so they could eat and then go back to teach in the Bible school. Mom and dad taught in the Bible school for years and years. No electricity, no fans, no air condition. And it's hotter than here. For it is years. Very hot. It was very hot in the north. Very. So then you started going around and witnessing to the Malams. Then but since I get a job and I know um, I can feed myself, then I took the Bible, the whole area, all my Malams, all the friend Muslims, everybody, I took the Bible and go and preach to them. I give them the, because Bible says I should do it. So I obey the Quran, what I, what I do for the Quran, I obey the Bible, and I went any place to preach the gospel. So this was back in 1973 when you started going to witness to these Malams and then you started going to the different villages and witnessing and opening churches. And it, in his lifetime, more than 40 churches he's opened. But now you, you weren't trained. You didn't go, you were not, had not attended the Bible school yet, yet you're doing all of this on your own. Because first, it wasn't until 2000 when you went to Bible school. Yes. First, I went to one village, they drove me out, the Muslim drove me out. I went to the, uh, the second village. Twelve people repent the first night. Seven people repent the, the second day. On the third day, I was preaching when the Muslim group and attacked me there. So you hear what he's saying? The Muslims came out where he was and told him first to get out of the, of the village. And then later on, they came, he kept coming and they, they came and what? The, when they, they mobilized themselves and some people saw them. So when I was preaching, they were planning to attack me. So they came and grabbed grab me and pulled me. His and friends they, took they, him they, out. They, they, they took me and ran away because they were wanting to kill me there. 
And I went to the third village, and they came attack me. I said, if I will die here, I will die. The church will build there. And there, there's a big church now. Even my convert began to go to the Bible school, and I was still the lay worker. Uh, so this, he's calling himself a lay worker because he hadn't been to Bible school. Yet converts from that church in that village, they went to Bible school and got training, and he was pastoring, but he still wasn't trained. So I was using my bicycle to the villages. One night I was going, one evening I was going to sleep there on Saturday night, and my bicycle got broke. And I said, God, why did you do this? So I walked in the night like that, pushed the bicycle back. So in the morning, I went and told my uh, father, his father, I said, the people will be waiting for me in their village because my, my bicycle broke last night. When God do something, if it, if it seems it's looking bad, thank God for it. I said, why did God allow my bicycle to spoil? So in the morning Sunday, when I went to tell him, ask for a, a lorry, he said, I will go with you. So, so his, he's calling it a lorry. So a lorry is a truck. So because his bicycle was broken, he was on Sunday, he needed a lorry, a truck. He needed to get a truck to ride the truck to the, to village. the village. Yep. So my father, Reverend Vesper, said, I will go with you. So we, we drove long way. He said, is this here you were coming, you were coming in the night? I said, yes. He said, don't go with bicycle again. Anytime you want to go, take the car. Instead of riding bicycle, I'll now have car. So with this car, I start eight churches. And I team with a Baptist pastor. And we open a Baptist pastor. A Baptist pastor. <laughs> we open over 40 churches. Then it's time for them, National Church transferred them from the north to the south to start a, a, a Bible school. So I went with them. So just a, so mom and dad got transferred from up in the north to the central part of the country. And he went with them. Okay. And when he went with them to the central part, then he started opening churches in the central part of the country. So he still had the churches up north, but then now he's starting. And, the, and it originated with people, the tribe, his tribe from up north that moved to the city in the central part for work. So he started reaching his own tribe that lived in the central part of the country. So I start a church. They, they, they removed me, bring a uh, pastor there. I start another church. They remove me. Okay, and bring let me another explain. Church because I can. Because I lay work. Because he was a lay worker <laughs> and he hadn't been to Bible school. When he would start a church, the denomination would remove him and put in a trained student. And they kept doing this. And I opened my own trap, the Gombes Church, and I, God speak to me to take care of that church. And they, want, they were coming to remove me. I said, never. So it is <laughs> my mother who called the general superintendent and told him they are going to remove John again. And he doesn't, he does his tribe. So the general superintendent say, no, you can't remove him. But you have to go to Bible school. Because so in 2000, you went to the Bible school. Bible school. And how long would, would, was the Bible school? Uh, because they already knew the, what I was doing, they gave me only one year. So he went for one year because he was pastoring this other church. Okay. They already knew what I was doing. They knew my uh, standards. So yeah. Uh, then. So, 2001, you started the girls' school. Uh, then something 
happened to me and I never knew why God allowed it to happen to me. Because I married and have children. And I, I told my first, I don't know, maybe here you don't care about it. In the north, because we are farmers, every man when you want to, when you marry, you think that your boy, your first son will be, uh, your first child will be a boy, so that he will be helping you. So we in have it in the man. Yeah, in the farm. To help you in the farm. So I marry, first girl, second girl, up to six girls. <laughs> then finally, the seventh was a boy. I thank God for waiting. I said, This will be Isaac. this is like Isaac to Abraham. But something happened. This boy was seven years, very smart. Once we, I had revival service in my, the new church, and my topic was Job, how God attempted Job. Job. And I tell them what, for... Wednesday through Sunday, and Monday, my son get. I went to the school to bring them, and they say their teacher has sent them because Judah, he's called Judah. Judah have headache, so I came home. He was on the bed, so hot. I went to the clinic. They give me uh, malaria medicine. By Thursday, the, the boy died. And I couldn't understand why God did that to me. The boy was smart. My mother can tell you, I couldn't understand why. So I start a school, call it Judah Muhammad Vocational School to reach poor street girls, street boys. And I'm here to thank you so much. When I came here on five years ago, we talked about that school, about that girls. David been there, encouraged them, talked to them. Yeah, every time I go. You've been supporting. You, this church, really, uh, heart of the, you are doing the heart of the Father's work. You are doing what God, uh, our Father's want you to do. Jesus said when he come back, he will set a throne and divide I think it's only Christians he's talking about. That he will divide the people into two groups. One on the right and one on the left. And he will tell the, those on the right side. You are blessed by my father. Because I was stranger and you invite me into your house. I was homeless. I was naked. I was hungry. So on and so forth. And you did all these things. And they will ask him, when did we see you? You never see Jesus. Are we? I never see him. But because you, you, you do it today, even the least, the children in Gyan Mahama Vacational School who were on the street, hopeless, they don't have homes, and you do that. Today I'm rewarding you. Your reward is in heaven. Your reward is in heaven. 
Jesus noticed all his writing, everything. That two books were open and they were judging them according to what he was writing. What you are doing to us. Some of them are fatherless, motherless. I will show you that girl when you come. The father died when he was small. And the, the mother went and remarried. I have a lot of them, them that are done in the school. So they give her to this little girl. Yeah, too. so let me explain that. So in this, in this, his tribe, the family will, let's say that the, her father, the, you have mother and father and you have daughter, children. So if the father dies, then the mother will give a, a, their daughter to an extended family member to live, okay, with them for years. And this is where the abuse starts happening because when they, the daughter goes to another family, she doesn't, she's not their biological daughter. So the father will abuse them, will beat them, won't feed them, things like that. Now, we don't understand that. I get it. But that, that's not the world we live in, but that's the world they live in. So what are we going to do about that? So they run away. The, daughter, the girl will run away and become a street person. And this is, these are the girls that he gets for in his school. So let me, let me just say this, 2001, he started that. We're coming to the girls' school. 2001, since 2001 till now, about 500 girls have come through his school, okay? Um, and when they graduate, when they graduate as a gift, they get a, a hand-cranked tabletop sewing machine. So we're, we're gonna come to that. Um, and then he started elementary, he opens a church, and then he starts an elementary school, separate from the girls' school. And then he started another one and opened that elementary school. And then the third one and opened that. And so his elementary school, he has around 650 children that he educates. Okay, so they're poor of the poor. And These he, people will not send their children to school because they don't have money. They don't have money for and books. And they, they are my church members. So I will not allow that. I know the pain for not being to school. I've never been to school. So I have that pain. So I will not allow my members, children to go like that. You, they can, if you, they don't go, uh, they can just give them small money to train them to smoke weed. Weed. Smoke weed. And drugs. And they, they train them to handle weapons. And any place they say they should go and do, they will do it because they don't have any job. So that's why I'm reaching them. I'm training them. If you use a few thousands of dollars to train them as to be a normal people, good in society, it's better than you use thousands of CD, uh, dollars to, to, to kill them because they will be killing people. What you will do to stop it, either to prison or kill them. So we better reach them now. Now every, we have a time to teach them Bible. They will, uh, re, uh, the teachers will teach them, but there will be a time, and, and about 45 minutes, you will tell them about God and about the love of God. You are here because we are feeding you free, and you are attending school free because Jesus loves you. People are supporting me to support you. And by the end, very uh, uh, short term, they will accept Jesus, and they are wonderful in the church. So thank you for that. So, so let, we're going we're gonna to move on here. So after Bible school training, then he's opened 16 more churches. And then in 2019, he retired. They told me to retire, that I'm old. <laughs> I didn't want, but they say I'm old. I shouldn't, 
<laughs> so that's another discussion, and I, trust me, I've had that discussion with his superiors, but that's the way that they do it. So in all, you've worked for mom and dad for about 30 years. Well, hanging and coming and ring, uh, rake the uh, leaves and go, if you take all that, uh, and sometimes they will go on fellow and I will work for another missionary. But from uh, uh, 17 to, uh, that's 70, 70, yeah. 70. About 30 years, as I said. Uh, 73 to yeah. uh, yeah. uh, today. So, so we're going to talk about the girls, but I want to just talk briefly about the overseas ministry that we do, you and I do, and this church sends me. Yeah. Okay. So in 1995, he felt when he worked for dad and mom, he felt that God told him to go overseas, to cross that river that his brother drowned in and to go into that area and begin witnessing there. So he crossed, some of you have heard this story. So he and another man got on a motorcycle and rode 12 miles from our village to the river. Now this is a different crossing than what I use. I use the bridge, so it's another uh, 80 miles on the road and then through the bush and then the bridge. But it's the same river. So he and a friend, worker in the church, went. They went, dad told them, go ahead and go. So they got to the river, the sun was going down. So at sundown, the canoes that take people back and forth stopped doing. So they said, what, do, what, what should we do? So John said, let's kneel down and pray. So while they were kneeling down, John had his eyes open while he's praying. And he saw a man moving on the water. This is John's words, moving on the water. I said, was he walking on water? He said, no, just moving. So they hollered to him and said, hey, can you get that canoe over on the other side and bring it to us and take us across? And the man agreed. So the man went, untied the canoe, came to them. They put the motorcycle in the canoe and they got in and went to the other side, removed the motorcycle from the canoe and got out. And when they turned around, there was no man there. So then they started riding the motorcycle in an area that they don't know, never been to on a path through the bush, just going. And they, I'm, I'm, I want to get this, I want to make sure there was something different that I had heard the other night. But anyway, they rode, by that time, of course, it's dark. So they're riding on a, on a path through the bush looking for light, fire. What does that mean? That there's humans around. So they did that. They found, finally found fire and they asked, rode to that, found the hut and asked if they could sleep in the hut for the night. They're strangers. Next morning they would leave. They wouldn't stay there. So you know these tribes you got these two guys on a motorcycle coming. They don't know who they are. So at first they didn't want them to stay, but the owner of the house hut agreed. So they slept in the morning when they got up and walked out in the daylight, they saw idols everywhere. everywhere. Every house. But before close to the, uh, the fire, the village, we get another river. And this is small river. Not big like yeah, that's the, the part I forgot. So and after the river with the canoe, they came to another river. It wasn't as big or as deep. Very dark. So I, 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 I let uh, the other guy, who's my convert, with their motor, and I, I, I test the water like this. He started walking. I say, I, I say, God, if I die like my brother, fine. You send me here. And I did like this to my belly, I crossed. So I came back and we pushed the motor across the road and we go, went to the village. And later on, I came to that river and I, uh, and I asked people, is crocodiles in this water? They say, oh, there are plenty of crocodiles. So God protected us from attack of the crocodiles and he made us through. 
So in 2017, I'm trying to progress through 2017, Enrico went to Africa with me. And that's when John told me about overseas. I, I didn't even hear, I never heard of it. And I was like, what are you talking overseas? And they said, because the river in the rainy season is so big, the Africans say it's a sea. So they're going overseas. So they're the ones that called it that. And then, so when he told me about it in 2017, I said, I, I want to go. And he said, you want to go? And I said, yeah, I, I want to go. I want to go to this area and I want to begin evangelizing in this area. So then I went in 2018 with uh, David and Philip. And then 2019, when I went, the river was too flooded and we couldn't cross. So that's the year that we then preached on this side of the river and we went to the Broken Bones village. I don't know if you've heard me talk about that. So we, we meant, went to the chief, we greeted him, he, we told him we wanted to have a crusade. He said, do it right here. And this is the village that people come from around the country with their broken bones, severe bones. And the chief and his family boil a root and they put this like, uh, like a paste almost on these bones. And they say that the bones heal faster with this. It's not superstitious. It's a natural remedy. I don't know if they do it in any other part of the world. And I'm not here to argue or debate that, okay? All I know is they have huts all around and people come. The broken bone person comes and a family member comes to take care of them and cook for them. So it was right there. And so we spent the day going through them, all the huts the and praying for them. And we told them about the crusade that night. And of course, they're laying on the floor with their leg is broken or their hip is shattered or whatever. And so that night when I went to preach, I told them to turn the PA system up that we rent. And so we turned it up loud. And so they could hear the chief came, uh, his elders came. I was able to pray for the elders that night. So we did the normal service like normal. And we prayed for the sick in general. And then I didn't know this till weeks later when I came back to America, that they said the following. And so I left. Well, I left to come back to America. Even that night, we didn't even sleep in that village. We went back to another village. So the next morning, when the family members woke up, they found the people with the broken bones standing up and packing their things. And the family members were saying, wait, what are you doing? We and are going home. They said we that we're healed. going home. We were healed last night. And we're going, our bones are fine, so we're going home. <laughs> they were uh, my pastors and my f uh, fathers. And when we were in the church, God spoke to me to go across the, that uh, region to witness to them. Tell them about Jesus. So that's why we went across the rivers. And finally, I went to the Bible school. They put me in the church. Everything is. But the moment they came back to America, it begin, overseas begin to knock my heart. And I cannot go. I don't, my church cannot sponsor me to go. So I've been praying about it. Is God just sent me there. And any place I go and ask, they say, we never hear about Jesus. Any place I go there. So I went to their district capital. There's a big tree and it's like market, plenty of people. So I kneeled down, praying the thing that I was like a madman or something like that. And I pray, I say, God, open this place for Jesus. Let life come to this city. Just this place are uh, for Jesus. These people are for Jesus. Jesus died for them. So let the word come here. And I, 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 I went back and they put me into the church. I, I cannot move. Then finally I talked to him. And he said, I will go. And you send him to the, church, the place. And God is using him mightily there. 
I don't know if he's praying for sick people here like that or every service he will pray for sick. And the testimony day after the prayer and after that, even days later, weeks later, months later, there's still a testimony. And now we have how many churches? We have... I think it's six churches. Six, we now. have six churches there now. So the first time that I went with him, we, when we preached and we finished, we were driving back to where we were going to sleep. And he said, I have something to tell you. And I said, okay, go. And he said, 20, when he first crossed the river and went, he said, the place that you preached tonight is the place where I knelt down and I asked God all those years ago. 20 years, 20 years that, before that day. That a church would come. And he said, it's, you preached in the exact spot where I knelt down. And now tonight, God has answered my prayer. 20 years, God didn't forget my prayer. And so that, so that year we couldn't go across because of the flood. This is why I have to go in November when the river is down. Um, and then uh, 2020, I couldn't go because of silly COVID, stupid COVID. And we need to be praying about that because there's talk about it coming back and lockdowns and all that. We don't have time, okay? We don't have time to sit back. There's people who are lost and dying and so last year, or 2021, Austin went with me. And then last year I went by myself. So this tribe that is overseas, so his tribe is the Dagumba. That's what it's called, Dagumba tribe. So it's similar, that tribe overseas is similar. The language is even similar. But they call the, them over there the wicked Dagumbas. And the reason is, is because... They say that they do, that, that tribe over there depends on juju. You don't know what juju is. How, do, how are you going to call juju? Juju is uh, spirits, evil spirits. And they have trinkets and things like that that they worship and, and that. Um, and so they're called the wicked Dagumbas because of juju. Now, let me tell you something. This, this region of the earth has been run by the devil since creation, whenever. Yes. They have never heard the gospel, never. And you don't think for one moment that the devil is angry, that the gospel is going in there and that people are getting saved. He's angry and the demons are angry. And I, I, I'll, I'll deal with that. So two, two years ago, they made me chief. The government officials came, three hours, drove, and they made me a chief of the whole region. Normally, a chief has a village. He's over. Now they made me the chief. And so that means that because they made me a chief because they said no white man has come here and cared for the people. So they made me a chief, and that means that I can go in any village over there, and the Muslims cannot block me because I can tell them that I'm a chief and that the government made me that. Okay? So now, now this year, we normally open two churches every time. This year, we're going to do three. Three churches. We plan to do, do three. We already visit all the villages and inform them. They've selected the villages. They've gone to the chief and told them that I'm coming. So in November, early November, he will come. And we will cross the, uh, the region again to see so, what God is going to do. And God is doing mighty work there so through you. Just as a praise report, so two years ago when I was leaving the overseas region with Austin and we were driving, John was in the back seat. John, 
John sits in the back seat. He always wants me to chauffeur him everywhere. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't drive. I drive all. I do all the driving myself. Preach myself. Whatever. John sits in the back seat, as like he's the chief. So I just let him sit back there. He can think he's the chief. It's okay. I learned. I learned it from our father. <laughs> <laughs> when when I learned driving, he went to sit by the, the back seat. <laughs> So exactly where he was sitting, that's why I'm, I'm your senior brother. So <laughs> two years ago when we were leaving, when we were crossing the bridge, I said to Austin, I said, you know what? I need my own vehicle instead of borrowing and try to find one and all that. And I can tell you that now we have a vehicle. You guys have helped us. John picked up the vehicle. The vehicle is in his possession. He doesn't drive it except without permission. This is not his vehicle to drive. We've talked about this, right, John? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I feared that vehicle like something because I didn't fear his father's vehicles like that. I was using it. But this one, oh, my vehicle, my truck, I don't want anything. In fact, I cover it and Every in the night, I will wake up and come out and look at it. Every night, I will do all this. At the way he's treating the vehicle, I'm, we are going to talk about yeah, it because you are, you, it's gonna, too much. <laughs> we're going to talk about it. Yeah, and it's a good vehicle. Strong? Yes. Very strong. Very strong vehicle. Yes. Uh, pickup, dual cab, diesel engine, four wheel drive. We'll just start right there. So. Yeah, so we've got some things that we need to do. Anyway, I don't want to, we'll talk overseas another time. I want to cover the girls, the girls' school. So he told you a bit about them and where he finds them and where he gets them. Now in the school, as of now, you have, um, what is 32? That's two out 32 of girls in his school right now. Um, and they're runaways from various abuses, you don't even want to know um, some of this. Normally, they're from 14 to 18, but you've had, how old? Eight? Before I had eight. eight a girl uh, eight years yes. old. He stay, she stayed in my house for eight years before she got, because she was too small. Then he's now married a school teacher, a very good house home with four children and I have a 11 year child now in this school. 11. His but youngest right see. now is 11 years old, little girl who will be with him obviously more than three or four years because she's so young. But, um, and so you teach them how to read and write and you teach them numbers because of having to sew, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and you witness to them, and they become Christians. At the end, they will become Christians. They will marry Christians. And they yeah, are some of them. Some of them will marry Bible school graduate students yes. and become a pastor's wife. Totally revolutionize their life. That's another way of evangelism to reach and reach. Mm -hmm. Mm. And so, and so you feed them and you teach them trade like tie dye. When, when they come to the school, they, you, they, they we take care of all everything, everything till the day they graduate yeah. and go. So uh, they he teaches them tie dye. He teaches them how to make soap, um, and obviously the sewing as well. And Hot FM has given towards. Um, the sewing machines and we've we bought the sewing machines in fact we're going to take an offering it's going to go for the school it's not for me I'm not I don't I'm this is him okay these are for the girls and um, we've bought sewing machines we bought them food um, you've sent me over there hot FM has sent me over there um, when I there's times that I I will come to one of you on an individual basis, and I'll tell you about a need th that I have over there. I don't tell everybody, but there's, and you guys will give me money one-on-one. -on -one. And so I just wanna tell you with the money that 
the other monies that you've given to me, we've paid their electric bill and their water bill. We've helped them secure the land where the girls are at. Last year, I bought his school of a little motorcycle because the motorcycle that Aisha was using was old and she uses that. She's the mother that takes care of the girls and cooks with them and teaches them all of that. And she uses this motorcycle to go to the market and buy different things. Um, th that's, that's what she uses. And it's only used for that. The motorcycle is only used use for that but when when I come to you and I ask you or I tell you whatever if you feel prompted that's what I do with this money nobody knows about this it's not publicized I'm actually uncomfortable saying this in front of you but this is what I do behind the scenes this is reaching the poor that left hand doesn't know what the right hand we we can talk about this because it's just us girls in the room. You know what I'm talking about. This is what we do behind the scenes. Okay. That money does not go to me. Trust me. It doesn't go to me. He always, when I am need, I will call him. And we are in this, we need food. We need this. Uh, women, you know girls how to. When they begin to grow, a lot of girls have many, many expenses, not like a boy. <laughs> so yes. let, me, let me just wrap and up. And they also use that uh, motto, when one of them is sick, they will take her to the hospital. Let's say a, a hospital, they, their mother, their mother has been taking them. Their motto have a, is useful to them. They, if there's no motto, it's very difficult. And thank you for your support. So, from John's village called Logshogo, Mom went and witnessed. It was a very demonic stronghold. That, that was an area that the devil possessed for so long. And three people died. Now, I'm, I'm, I want you to listen to me carefully. Three people died. A woman died after the gospel went. His brother drowned and another woman died. And the villagers, this is the mentality, the villagers said that their God refused because those people converted and refused the village God that their God killed them. Okay, this is what we wrestle with. Now, I know a lot of you, you don't even think this way. You don't understand. But when a Christian dies, this is the persecution. This is the torment that they put. And they spread it through the village so nobody, everyone will fear and not become a Christian. John took a stand. And from the time that he took the stand, no, no Christian died. Again, no Christian died. The first convert died. My brother was second convert. He, he also died. The woman also was third convert, and she also died. They said, no, we will accept this. Anybody who refuses our God, the gods are killing him, them. But I stand. But after I stand, there's no death again. So there's a strong church. And, and from that time... Until now, 15 pastors have come out of that village, gone to Bible school, pastor churches from that time until now. So I, I just, I want, you, I want you to hear me clearly, clearly. These areas that we go into are very demonic, strongholds, regions that have been ruled by the devil and demons forever forever. We don't have any fear when we go. But why? Because our lives are in God's hand. God can take our my lives life. Our are hidden in Jesus. Uh, nobody can do anything to us. No. Our lives is in Jesus. And whenever he says it's time for us to go, then we'll go. We'll go to heaven. Till then, we're going to fight. We're going to fight. We're, this is a spiritual battle 
that takes place and sometimes manifests in the natural, okay? But this is a spiritual battle that we face, okay? And he, the devil is angry, but God and all of his angels are rejoicing when the gospel goes forth in these areas. And so we're gonna take an offering. You say, what's needed? Well, first we need your prayer for protection. You say, well, prayer, that just sounds like, no, 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 no. This prayer is very, very important to protect us when we go and to protect the, the believers that are there from persecution and from death, from poisoning, things like that. And then we need provision. It takes money. You can't get on Delta without money. You know what I'm talking about? You can't drive down the road without using money. It takes money. And I don't mind saying that. You say, well, what you, you want to talk about money in church? Yeah, yeah. You got it. You came to church with money. You got it in your bank. You got it. You work for money. Yeah, money is part of our lives. I don't mind talking about money, okay? Because like Barry said, it really all belongs to him anyway. And we're stewards of it. So I just want to give you an idea real quick before we take the offering. This, this offering will go towards paying teachers. It's gonna to go towards buying food. You say, well, what kind of food? Well, a 200 pound bag of rice costs $75. And he uses four bags a month. A 200 pound bag of corn, $65. And he uses four a month. A gallon of cook, uh, five gallons of cooking oil is $40 and he uses one a month. Three gallons or a basket of dried fish, $95 a month. You say dried fish, you're not eating it. Him and his girls are eating it, okay? Clothing, $45 a girl. Sewing machines cost 145. I think last year they were 125 or something. And because of the price inflation and all that. I'm just giving you an idea, okay? I'm just giving you an idea to tell you what the need is. The ushers are coming. Come, we're going to take the offering quick. Richard made a QR code. You can scan that and it'll go straight to John's account that he has here at the church. Whatever you give in this offering whether it's cash, check, whatever, uh, is going towards him. None of it goes towards me. It's all towards him and the girls. Proverbs 19, 17. Giving help to the poor is like loaning money to the Lord. He will pay back with kindness on you. Let's pray together. Father... Thank you for your people. Thank you for the testimony that we've heard today from Pastor John. Thank you for the ministry that you've called him to do for many years, many years. And I know that today some of us are hearing it for the first time. We had no clue, no idea. But yet he's been faithful to do this for so many years and touch so many people. And I just ask that you would speak to each individual as to what to give in this offering. You tell them the amount. Let them be obedient to you. They can support him monthly through the church. Um, we do that all the time. There's people here that do that. But I just pray that you would speak to everyone today to do something for this special offering. Thank you that you brought John to America. He came to say thank you to the church. Um, he came to see me also and mom, but he came to say thank you to your people who are so generous. And I just pray that this offering today would be blessed by you, that you would give John wisdom in using the finances in buying things for the girls and that you would multiply it. God, that's what you do. You take what we have, you bless it and you multiply it. That's what you did with the feeding of the 5,000. And then there was leftover because of your blessing. 
I don't understand how all that happens. But I do know this, that I've trusted you with my finances for many years and you've always come through for me. Do the same for your people. We pray these things in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. As the offering buckets, let the offering buckets get past. And um, so Wednesday night, we have the meeting on conflict. Brandon's teaching on conflict. Make sure that you're there. Books are out there to purchase. The manuals are out there to purchase. $5 suggested donation to cover the cost. Um, next week, we have the anniversary Sunday. And uh, I'll be dipping out of here early to go get the grill going. And Rico's going with me. And we'll have hopefully have the burgers and hot dogs ready for you after church when you get there. Um, but I'm going to ask that Pastor John just kind of hang around up here. And if you want to come and ask him questions or whatever you want to say to him, today would be the day to do that. Um, no pressure. If you're, you're free, you're dismissed to leave. But if you want to come and greet him, um, that would be fine. But I hope that you all have a great week this week and we'll see you here Wednesday evening. God bless you. Thank you very much for giving me this time. Oh. May the good Lord bless you. One, one more thing. Say, say it one more time. Try your microphone one more time. Thank you very much for giving me this time to stand before you and speak to you. God bless you. I hope I will come another time. Amen. It's only too cool. <laughs> We hope this message has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to join us on a Sunday morning or other weekly gathering, know that you're more than welcome. And if you'd like other resources on or about this ministry, or for any deeper questions you may have, be sure to visit our website at hotfmlakeland.com.